GMFC Studios, God's Production Company.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Here we are, another year coming to the end, looking at a new year. And I'm thankful that you've taken this time to spend this season of transition with us here in GMFC Studios. We salute those that have joined us in the studio. We thank the Lord for them and for each of you that is joining us from your respective locations. I don't want to take up too much of your time this morning, but I do want to speak a word, impart something uh, into your life that hopefully will allow you to bring 2023 into focus and 2024 into the right perspective. As we're ending another year with thanks that for most of us that we just made it. We look back over this year, we understand that many, even people that we know and are in relationship with or that we love or care about, didn't make it. They didn't see the end of this year, but this year saw the end of them. We think about those that are seeing the end of the year, but the year didn't work out the way they thought it was going to or the way they anticipated at the beginning of 2023. It's been a year that's filled with all kinds of chaos and craziness and that's not even just in the church realm, but it seems this way all around us. The entirety of the earth seems like it's losing its mind. But we're thankful that we've made it to this point. And we're looking with great anticipation at all the possibilities, the hopes, the dreams that 2024 will bring. This new year, this new season, you'll hear preachers across this nation come up with all kinds of uh, cute, rhythmical uh, quotes for uh, the establishment of this new year and your expectations. And unfortunately, many of them will be fixated on your own personal gain. Many are going to go through their end of the year rituals, their promises of the new year. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to eat right, I'm going to treat people right, and all these different things that we do as we assess one year and transition into a new year, only to find ourselves in the same condition, in the same place, yet again, as we face yet another new year. I feel that the Lord has directed my attention to the fact that we are in the last of the new years and there may not be more if any new years to come before us I want to share something with you that we the in studying the Word of God really impressed upon my heart and I feel like this is what God would have me to do as I was talking to the Lord and, and, and trying to figure out what best transitional sermon could I preach this morning that would help bring people into the right place 
to be blessed or to enjoy all the things that God has for them. Because I know that Jesus is soon to come and according to his promise, he's pouring his spirit out upon sons and daughters. I was directed to the book of Luke with urgency to preach this message to you this morning of the eve of the new year. You can look at this from the topic, one more year. But we need to see this differently than what we have envisioned in the years previous. If you would read with me the passage in Luke, the 13th chapter, in the, through the 6th through the 9th verse, it should be on your screen now. The word declares this. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of this vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So what is it that we are seeing here? What is it that God is expressing to us? What is God trying to get us to understand? Well, we who study the word of God understand that uh, this sits in a passage of scripture, the 13th chapter of Luke, starting at the sixth verse, uh, that deals with fruit bearing. The idea of producing something out of your life. And we have to understand that we must bear fruit or else we shall perish. This is one of the hardest things for believers to understand. There's an expectation of God that as he is in your life, working in your life, moving in your life, setting up the atmosphere of your life, placing you in an environment in your life that is all conducive to the introduction and production of fruit. We have to bear fruit. If we don't, the idea is then we become useless in the cause of Christ. So Jesus wanted to drive home the need for repentance by sharing this parable of a man seeking fruit. And we, we know, let me just give you the, the, the 101 of this text. The, the man represents God. The vineyard dresser represents Christ. The vineyard represents either the world or maybe more specifically the nation of Israel or when I say nation of Israel, I'm not talking about a uh, ethnic thing or a um, geographical thing. I'm talking about a faith and spiritual thing for we are Israel. We are the children of God. But I want to also point out to you some facts something very important for us to recognize about the fig tree. The fig tree was greatly privileged. And I want you to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because uh, in essence, you, represent, you are represented in this parable, in this text by the fig tree. 
So as we're looking at the fig tree and we're thinking about the fig tree, I want you to begin to look at yourself and think about yourself. And the first thing that you have to recognize about yourself, though many may argue this point, um, just when they look at their, their surroundings and, uh, you know, many may be impoverished or, you know, dealing with great sorrow or um, going through some very uh, traumatic things in their life. I, I want you to understand that the fig tree is greatly privileged. And some of you are trying to, you know, reconcile being privileged with some of the things that you're going through. But let me explain to you why the fig tree or why you, as a child of God, are greatly privileged. So as we look at the fig tree, we find that the fig tree is in the vineyard. And being in the vineyard means some vital things. The first and most important thing that we have to recognize about the fig tree being in the vineyard is that it was planted or born by the vineyard keeper. And as I said earlier, the vineyard keeper is God himself. So you have been placed on purpose by God in his vineyard. God causes every man to be born into the world. Hallelujah. God causes every man to be born into the world. He stands behind every person as the personal creator and Lord. The Bible declares, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life, the Bible declares. Recognize that the scripture is replete with uh, recognition of who your creator is. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Forget us, the Lord thy maker that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Have we not all one father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? I could go on with scripture after scripture that deals with the understanding that the first position of our privilege is the fact that we are created by the vineyard dresser, the, 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 the master of the, the vineyard. None of us are a mistake. You are not an accident. You are purposely created by God. Now, the, um, the facts about your birth, you may look at them and see them not as, um, you know, such a blessing of how you got here, some have been born through tragedy. Yet even the tragedy, your birth was purposed by God to produce something in the world that would change either the world or manifest the presence of God in the world. Something else to think about. 
It's planted in the vineyard itself, right where other trees that are bearing fruit are planted. So what does that mean to us? Not only am I planted in the vineyard, I'm planted in the same place where other tree that other trees are planted that are bearing fruit. So it tells me then that I have the same soil, the same nourishment, the same rain, and the same sun from heaven as every other tree that is planted that is bearing fruit. And this is true of every believer who is born uh, in, in the world where the gospel is freely preached. The Bible declares, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it around about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to uh, husbandmen and went into a far country. God is the builder of these things. He has planted you in a place and he has allowed you to be in a place that has an environment that's conducive for your success. Now, I know that you're thinking, you're looking back at the environment. You're looking back at your surroundings and sometimes it's difficult to see the success. The problem that we have is that we have been uh, taught to look at things in the wrong perspective as it relates to the success or the ability to produce fruit, which is the expression of the success that God has planted already in us. He put us in a place that would allow us to be successful. So the, the second thing that you need to remember if you're taking notes today, is you need to write down, not only am I privileged, not only am I in a place whereby my very environment is created for me to be successful, I am successful as purposed by God because he put me where I am to produce fruit. So then where I am is not a dead place. It's a place that is waiting for me. What does the Bible tell us? It's waiting for the manifestation. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So you have to understand something. One of the things that we run around trying to figure out most of our lives is what is our purpose? Well, the fig tree's purpose is to what? It's to bear fruit. And it had been planted for that purpose, to bear fruit. Its existence is solely to bear fruit. You ought to, you ought to just make this prophetic proclamation over your life. I am a fruit bearer in 2024. I am a fruit bearer in 2024. It was by nature a fruit tree, this fig tree. So then I am by nature a tree which bears fruit. Therefore, it's supposed to bear fruit, thus I am supposed to bear fruit. I had no other purpose for existing other than to bear fruit. John 15, one through eight, uh, talks about uh, fruit and, and bearing fruit and abiding. And, and, and there are four stages of fruit bearing. And many of us have, you know, been in 
maybe all four of these. You should be seeing this on your screen today. There are four stages of fruit bearing. The first stage of fruit bearing is no fruit. Now, some of us are in that stage right now where there is no fruit. And God is giving us one more year. He's allowing us to come into one more year where we can take the success he's built around us and use it to produce what we were created to produce. Then there are some that have fruit. Then there are others that have more fruit. And finally, there are some that have much fruit. The four stages, no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Well, what does it mean then to say a Christian, a believer, is to bear fruit? Is God looking for something from us? I mean, I, I just thought I had to just, you know, recognize who Jesus was and, you know, uh, accept the fact that he died for my sins and uh, now I'm saved and, and delivered and I'm healed and I'm made whole and, and, and now all I got to do is just wait for Jesus to come back. Is that the life of a Christian, of a believer? Is that the expectation that after coming to the knowledge of Christ, I'm just supposed to sit back, put my feet up on the couch and the world is supposed to come to me? Or is God looking for something from us? Well, if we look into Scripture, we'll find that God is looking for things from us. Romans 1 and 13 shows us that he's looking for us to bear converts. Romans 6, 21 through 23 shows us that he's looking for us to bear righteousness. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 is, uh, shows us that God is looking for us to uh, produce the fruit of Christian character or the fruit of the Spirit. All of these things are related to fruit bearing in our life. Cleansing, abiding in Christ, obedience. A true believer is a person who really abides in Christ. 1 John 2 and 10, John said that to abide in Christ means eight things. I don't have the time to get into this like I would really like today, but, you know, Lord willing, we'll revisit this in better depth down the road. But let me just give you some bullet points to ponder. A person, number one, who walks in open confession before God. Am I entering this new year faking the funk or am I entering this new year in open confession before God? You can't hide your brokenness. And let me be the first to tell you, if you've never heard this before, it's okay that you are broken. It's okay that you make mistakes. It's okay that you've fallen down. The, the, the uh, believer understands that I can walk in open confession before God. That I can walk through life opening up my life to God. Confessing all that I am, my good, my bad, and my ugly. I don't walk in sin. I don't allow sin to not only rule my life, but to be unconfessed in my life. 
Am I entering this new season in an environment that God has produced where I can be fruitful with unconfessed sin? Or am I going to walk in open fellowship with God? Here I am, Lord. Here's everything about me. There are some ugly things, Father, about me. I, 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 need, I need help. I need deliverance. I need healing. I need peace. I need, I need your blessing. I need your fellowship. I need your love. I need your warmth. I need your breath. Everything that I need flows only from you. Second, besides walking in uh, open fellowship and confession with God, you walk in fellowship with Christ. You live and move and have your being with Jesus. We commune and live in a consciousness of God's presence and from God's presence we learn of God and, and we draw strength and authority to live victoriously day by day by day producing the fruit from the environment that God has planted us in for the purpose that we be successful. Third, a person will continue in the church in the fellowship of the body of believers. He does not leave or go out from the church. 1 John 2 and 19, check the text. Number four, a person possesses confidence and unashamedness in life that prepares him for an eternity. Number five, a believer does not walk in continuous sin. 1 John 3 and 6, but he experiences constant victory over sin. This shows us that because of our planting, that as we enter this new year, we don't have to continue in the very things that separate us from perfect fellowship with God. We can be victorious in every confrontation that we have with sin, born out of the desire of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These things that produce in us externally a desire to pull away from the fellowship of God. Am I going to feed my flesh in this new year? Or am I going to focus upon feeding my spirit? Number six, we can actively surrender ourselves to obey the commandments of God. Number seven, we can experience the indwelling presence and the witness of Holy Ghost, the very empowering of God to live in this life. And lastly, we dwell in a spirit of love and unity and fellowship with all other believers. There is no division within the body of Christ. The Bible tells us in Matthew 3 and 8, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. It tells us for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, Matthew 20 and 1. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. 
John 15 and 8. What is, what is it that we understand? If we go back to the first principle, the privilege that we have based upon the fact that we were created, God tells us in his word, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You ought to circle this, underline it, highlight it. I am chosen by God. He picked me. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Because there's a day for reaping that is coming. And we have to understand that there is a purpose for which God plants and there is a purpose for which God reaps and I believe that we are approaching the day of reaping and Jesus says five things about the day of reaping number one the vineyard owner God himself was the one who came looking for fruit no one else is coming to look for fruit I'm not looking for fruit in your life I'm not the one who can tell you whether there's fruit in your life. The scripture, the holy word will give you the, the clarity to understand whether, produce, whether your life is producing the fruit that God is looking for based upon the things that I've already shared with you. You can know for yourself. And if, if it's not, if you're making an honest assessment of yourself, you can recognize where in the stages of fruit bearing you are. And if you are in a place where there is no fruit when the vineyard owner comes looking for fruit you're in that conundrum between God the Father and God the Son where God is saying one more year let 2024 be the one more year that Jesus digs around the dirt fertilizes the dirt with dung something that allows the dirt to even become more productive presents you with greater opportunity to produce the fruit. But God is coming looking for fruit. The, the reaper of the fruit is not anyone else but God. God planted the tree so that he can get fruit. God put man on the earth to bear fruit. God expects fruit he is the one who had planted the tree and he planted it with the expectation it's going to produce the bible says even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth what evil fruit i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing, John 15 and 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You have to recognize God is coming looking to pull fruit from your branches. Number two, the vineyard owner found no fruit when he came. So this tree that we're talking about that represents you was bare. What does that mean? It means that many of us have failed in our purpose. 
Many of us have failed in our purpose. So many have all the privileges, yet so few ever honor God and bear fruit as they should. So in essence, what is happening is the investment of God in the life of the tree is wasted. The investment, God has invested in you, life, so that your life can produce for him. And where there is no fruit, the investment is wasted. Oftentimes, being fruitless is an indication that you are rootless. You are not grounded in the things or in the very environment, the soil that Jesus has churned up and fertilized for you to produce fruit. The Bible tells us that he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. In other words, he bears no fruit. Matthew 13 and 22. The Bible also tells us and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. Isaiah 5 and 2. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped Iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. These are things that we have to think about. Where are we? Why has 2023 ended in the fashion for some of us that it has ended? And are we going to carry that fruitlessness into 2024? Is my fruit recognized or uh, uh, seen by the world in my wealth? Is this what God is coming back for? That I might say to him, I've made millions, but I've wasted these mil millions on myself. I have not fed the poor. I have not clothed the naked. I have not housed the homeless. I have not expressed the love of God in the fruit that he has given, in the ability that he allowed me to grow in. Number three, the vineyard owner, he waited a long time. He had come after the time that he gave us, which was more than enough that we might bear fruit. He came looking for the fruit. And the tree, if you look at the tree, you recognize that the tree had plenty of time to bear the fruit that it was purposed to bear. Purposed, if it was ever going to. We see that the owner demonstrates patience. His patience was extremely long-suffering. 
This is what the Bible tells us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3 and 9. God is waiting. He's come year after year, and he's looking for fruit in your life. Are you going to allow 2024 to be yet another year of fruitlessness? Or will this be the year that you can say to God when he comes to reap? Father, what you have sown in me has produced great fruit for you. Number four, the tree was wasting and misusing space because it had not produced its purpose. You see, the purpose of the vineyard the very reason for its existence is to produce fruit for its owner. All space available is needed only for fruit bearers. No space can be allowed to be wasted, at least not forever. The tree was hurting the production of the vineyard. The example of false believers affects the whole vineyard. They cheapen the vineyard, causing others not to want the fruit of the vineyard. Well, the Bible tells us because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead, Acts 17 and 31. Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Romans 2, 23 and 24. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. 2 Peter 2 uh, uh, and 2. Am I going to go into 2024 continuing to be the cancer that I was in 2023? Because you have to understand, people of God, you have a purpose in the vineyard in which you have planted to produce fruit. And when you are not producing fruit, you rob the vineyard of the space of a productive tree. When I was growing up, I heard a, a very wise person once say, Bishop Quander Lear Wilson, if you're going to hell, you might as well enjoy your trip. In other words, don't waste time coming to church, faking the funk and pretending like you've got it all together, wasting space while at the same time infecting everyone else that is producing fruit in that place. Don't be the cancer. I say this to you, and, 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 and I don't apologize for it. If in 2024, you, if in 2023, you realize by truth you are a cancer, in 2024, either cut yourself out that you infect not the remainder, remainder of the body, or either 
realize who you are. Repent, turn back to God so that you can produce fruit. Because the last thing was the tree was to be cut down. You see, God is coming to pronounce judgment. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking about not only Jesus the priest, but Jesus the king. And the purpose of the king is about judgment. The owner, God, is coming to pronounce judgment. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, check the text. It also tells us in the, in the word of God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6 and 23, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats Matthew 25 and 32 recognize the judge is on his way the mercy of God the divine dresser intercedes one more year the judge is coming one more year it has, no, it has no fruit. It's, it's not producing one more year. The mercy of God is demonstrated in the fact that he's allowed you to come to the point where you can see one more year. Jesus, our vine just here, intercedes for the unfruitful tree. You and I that are not bearing fruit. And he asks for one more year. One chance. One last chance. With an enhanced environment. And we see God grants that one last chance. That one last opportunity. But the year that would come was to be the last chance it was to be the last opportunity the bible asked the question who is he that condemneth it is christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of god who also makes intercession for us Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Then Jesus said, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Luke 23 and 34. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps. Uh, is not this laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time for the day of their calamity as at hand. And the things that shall come upon them, 
make haste. Deuteronomy 32, 32 through 35. He is coming to judge, but in his mercy and in his grace, he's giving us yet another opportunity. Let 2024 be the year where you produce much fruit. 2023 is gone. The only thing that we can do with 2023 is repent. It's not about so much, Lord, I'm sorry. It's about, Lord, I will no longer walk in that way. Because the judgment is based upon fruit. The judgment is based upon fruit. The Bible says, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not for the good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Matthew 3 and 10. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. John 15 and 6. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. Hebrews 6 and 8. What am I going to do with this new year? What am I going to do with this one more opportunity? With this one more expression of God's love, of his grace and his mercy? I am sown into good soil. And even now, God is cultivating the soil so that it is even more conductive, so that it is even more productive, so that it is even more supportive, so that it is even more of a blessing, of a foundation upon which I can stand and produce much fruit. We're coming to the end and everyone's gonna be running around. Happy New Year. I can say unto you that 2024 will only be a happy new year if you realize your purpose, repent from your evil, Turn back to God and produce much fruit because the Lord is coming looking for trees that are filled with fruit. Be that tree in 2024, that tree that has much fruit. God bless you. Happy New Year. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.